This video is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creative people where millions get to explore together. Skillshare has got thousands of classes. As artists, you're going to love discovering topics in fine art, illustration, and more. Lots of Skillshare classes are under 60 minutes. With short lessons, you can fit them into the busiest of schedules. Producing videos for YouTube is the heart of our educational content here at ArtProf. I decided to watch Storytelling Through Film, How to Create Engaging Video for YouTube with video editor Thomas Dager. This class was so wonderful for providing a comprehensive look at all the components that I could use to tell my stories using video. Everything from the concept of having a cold open for your video, your music choices, preparation for the video project, and more was so well explained. I'm so glad I got to crystallize concepts that I was familiar with already and to learn new ones that I had never heard of as well. The first 1,000 people to use the link or my code, ArtProf Create Critique, will get a one-month free trial of Skillshare. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking about underrated and overrated artists. If you are looking to strengthen and flex your art muscle, ArtProf is a community for you. We have tutorials, critiques, and more, and it's all for free. Um, Clara, would you like to roll us into the saltiness. <laughs> Get ready for a fight, Lauren, because I am floored and livid that Caravaggio is your overrated artist pick. <laughs> let, let me just say, Clara, that I am not calling Caravaggio overrated because of his artwork. Clearly, he is a master. And anybody who's a true master now is probably learned from doing those master copies of Caravaggio's pieces. So I've got no issues with his artwork. And in fact, we can use this as an excuse to look at his beautiful, dramatic, chiaroscuro settings here. But okay, what I didn't realize, what I learned about in my painting class this past week was that he was a horrible guy. And I just did not know how horrible he was. Like it started out, the class started out with someone saying to my teacher, well, didn't Caravaggio kill a man? And I said to myself, oh, interesting. Okay, I wonder what's behind that. And then my teacher said, oh, but that doesn't matter because he's, he's a great painter. That's, and she just blew it off. And so then I ended up talking about it with someone after class and they were, and they said, well, it wasn't just that he killed a man. That was his entire life. He was... He, he threw a plate of artichokes at a waiter because he didn't like them. He got a commission from a church to do this Madonna type scene. And they ended up cutting him from the commission because he purposely made the cleavage of Madonna very hefty. He, <laughs> he threw stones at police officers. He never paid his rent and in fact got sued by his landlady uh, the guy that he killed, he got into he got into some kind of uh, fight over some lady, I think, that he might have been paying for. Um, and so he tried to castrate this other guy, but he was so bad at castrating him that he cut him in the in the the femoral artery, and that's how the guy died. <laughs> 
There's more, but we've got a comment here. Well, this brings up a big question. Do we separate the art from the artist? Now, that's a whole other universe that we could talk about for 50 hours. But Deepti, I'm wondering, do you think part of that, oh my gosh, he was a horrible person, is romanticizing him? Because his work is not exactly pretty. It's pretty vicious, as we can see here with Judith and Holofernes, or I don't know, maybe people can just say, hey, he's a great painter, who cares if he was a jerk? Yeah, I do think we have to also think about like context of time period. Like I think maybe if this was happening today, he would not have the same kind of um, platform and, and respect that he does. But I do think perhaps in that time period, certain things like this were A, more like passable and B, like you said, Clara, maybe romanticized you know, as like, he's this tortured soul and makes these very dark paintings. Um, I don't know. That's just a hypothesis. But I do think that that whole art versus art, separating the art and the artist is a really big conversation. But like, <laughs> I think today it's much harder to do that than perhaps in, you know, the 1500s. <laughs> See, here's the thing, the whole separate the art from the artist thing. I have a lot of thoughts about that. I got to make an exception for Caravaggio, though. <laughs> Come on, look at these paintings. How can you not force yourself to separate the art from the artist? Who here has seen a Caravaggio painting in real life? I didn't no. know painting could be like that. It's, my world exploded when I saw Caravaggio in real life. Have you seen him in real life, Lauren? I actually, I, I, I can't remember if I have or not, which is horrible. I mean, I've, I know the painting so well, so well at this point, because it's Art History 101. And again, I adore his artwork. I have no, no contest there, and he is definitely a favorite. So am I separating the art from the artist? No, not really. I just, it, it just astounds me though, that I have gone 31 years of my life and have not heard of all of these punk stories about him. And he had a very <laughs> long rap sheet. And so I think there is maybe something there that, that is everybody so afraid to separate the art from the artist that we're, we're just not talking about this at all because it's kind of, it's a little bit juicy too. Like I want to know. By the way, thank you, Isaac Cherry, for the soup. We so much appreciate your support. And by the way, we've got two people here from Twitch. We have Rhino, and we also have C-Rap. And yes, we do read the chat. We just don't have as many people that follow us on Twitch. But we are so glad that both of you are here for the stream. Deepti, this is your underrated pick. Tell us about these animators. So I'm super excited about these animators, especially because we have Lauren on the stream. And when I saw these, when I saw, I, I just wanted you to learn about them because I feel like you would love them. So um, Daisy Jacobs and Chris Wilder, they're like an animation filmmaking duo. And I first learned about them because one of their films were nominated for an Oscar a really long time ago. And I actually only know about two films that they've made, but they are these wild filmmakers and animators that use like 2D hand-painted stop motion and then live action all together and it's just mind-blowing because everything like here they're using a real 
human being and these painted sets and everything just has so much thought put into it. A lot of their painted characters are, well, not a lot. They all are life size, sometimes even larger. Um, this kind of just goes to show all the effort that goes into this because just the camera work to make everything seem real when you're merging like flat painting on a wall and like 3D objects coming towards the camera. It just takes so much effort. So these are two animators that I think like not a lot of people know about and they don't know a lot about their work, but it's like so incredible. And so much of their hand is seen in the process. And um, it's just, it blows my mind the amount of work that goes into creating these. And, and the storylines too are really personal. Um, I just love their work and I think it's so special and particular. Didn't you say, Deep D, that they were nominated for an Oscar this past session? Not this past session. It was quite a long time ago, but I no. uh, this one that we saw, I believe I believe it was an Oscar. I just need to double check, but I, I think I remember being introduced to their work when I saw like the list of animated um, Oscar shorts. So they do have a little bit of hype behind them, but like it's one of those situations where like they were nominated by an Oscar for an Oscar, but I don't feel like I see their like people talking about them in like in the world of animation. Like I wish that they would, you know, when you're talking about stop motion animation or like cool inventive ways, I don't hear their names. Um, so they're just kind of these animators that I'm always, and filmmakers, I want to use that word because they use live action too, um, that I'm always just like, oh my God, like you should hear about them because they make such unique, unique work. Yeah, I'm obsessed with this. I think it's beautiful. And I wish that we had seen this while, Eloise and I had seen this while working on our film because you're right it's like so so there's so much there that I think we can learn from well I'm married to an animator I've never heard of their work before and that's such a bummer because unfortunately animation is all Pixar and Disney I mean they have a monopoly as far as visibility goes because you just can't compete with all the marketing but I just love the human touch that's so present in these pieces because you'll notice that the pacing of these short films, it's unlike anything you would see in a Pixar or an animation movie. For example, the fact that this one starts with no motion at all, and then all of a sudden these things start scattering and it's surprising. I mean, I watched Encanto and I just had a headache afterwards. <laughs> I'm sorry, Encanto fans. I did not like it. I felt like it was overload. But what I like about these pieces is that they do give you that breathing room that you need to really appreciate the work. And then Deepti, you were saying that working this big for animation is really hard. So hard. I mean, if you think about it, they're painting each and every frame and readjusting and you have to look through the camera to make sure those like 3D arms are matching what you've painted on the wall. And um, it's it's so difficult even work. Animating is so difficult. So this feat of animating this human size, I mean, you can see the set here, it's so involved and there are so many cool colors and textures and objects used. It really, it really blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a reason why a lot of animation is done on a small scale. It's for logistical reasons. It's because it's just easier to see what you're doing. And this is really extraordinary what they're pulling together. And also the collaboration part of it. Mm -hmm. Like Lauren, you just finished this film 
with Eloise Sherrod, who is a teaching artist here at ArtProf for a little while. I mean, collaboration is not easy. Yeah, it's it's kind of like being married to a person in a certain respect. Like their relationships are, uh, there's a lot of balancing you have to do and there's a lot of balance of power that you have to do. And so I really admire this. And I wonder also how long this took because our film took, three and a half, almost four years to do. And this is something that looks even more complicated because it's life size. And I can see is using similar techniques for animating with some of the live action um, painted type scenes. So kind of just want to talk with these people. Like where can we meet <laughs> Daisy and Chris? <laughs> Love it. All right. My underrated pick is Medardo Rosso. And I picked him because it kind of makes me mad that the only figurative sculpture, sculptor who ever gets talked about is Auguste Rodin. It's like, dude, there's so many other really good figurative sculptors who just don't get the visibility. Don't get me wrong, I like Rodin, but come on, he's one dude. There, there's a lot of other people out there and I personally find Rosso's sculptures very moving, but they're also very quiet and subtle. And I don't know how this makes any sense, but to me, they're very impressionistic looking. I mean, they feel atmospheric, but how does the sculpture feel atmospheric? I just get all emotional when I look at his sculptures. Deep D, what do you think of his work? I love this work. It feels so, um, it almost feels like a found object in the earth like it just feels like a like something I dug up I don't know it has such a um strange alien like quality to it it feels very much like there was no artist in the creation it was just like made or birthed um it's so delicate and I think atmospheric is a really good way of putting it um they all just feel a little haunting and scary. And I can totally tell while you like it, Claire, after like knowing your work too. <laughs> there you see a lot of like um, similarities. It feels ahead of its time too, in some way. It's, it's hard for me to believe that these were made. I, I kind of believe that they are made in the late 1800s, but I, it really feels like something I could see today. And with, synthetic type materials it's it's really beautiful well we have some questions here about the materials jazz would like to know is it made <laughs> out of butter i don't think so because it's still in the museum after all this time and it's not refrigerated anyway a lot of these i believe are plaster and then there's a layer of beeswax in this case that's applied over the plaster which I think is probably what gives them that atmospheric quality because wax is basically translucent 3D material. I think wax is beautiful to begin with, but then you put it on the sculpture, it's like, oh my God, I love the universe for giving this to you. <laughs> this one looks like an egg or a fetus a little bit. This, this one's very strange, especially. 
What I also really like about these images, just kind of separated from like the art making is these are such good examples of taking wonderful photos of 3D objects that like mm -hmm. a show the form, but also like really show the material in a nice way. And um, I, it, these are objects that I want to spend time with in person so badly, but I do feel like these photos are doing it a lot of justice, which I am mm -hmm. really thankful for. Well, I did see an exhibition of his work. I think it was at the Fog Museum in Boston. And what I loved about the way they set up the show is they had very dim lights. It did not have that bright, crazy lighting that sometimes you get in a museum show. And it was so perfectly suited for absorbing his work because his work is not very confrontational. It's not very loud or anything. It's, it's really work you've got to slow down to look at these pieces and to really appreciate them to the depth that they deserve. And Lauren, I know you're not into 3D. <laughs> You've had your own 3D struggles, but I could imagine as a painter, you could learn from these pieces as well. Yeah, I really love these. And in fact, I'm going to save this artist in my reference photos section after the stream they do feel really painterly and expressive in some ways not that everything good is painterly or vice versa but it it is a type of 3d work that i that i understand and appreciate so next time any of you want to look at figurative sculptors i would challenge you to not look up rodin look up <laughs> rosso look up carpo Look at Bordell. There's a whole universe of phenomenal figurative sculptors who just don't get a lot of attention. I mean, look at this one, the interaction between the figures and a lot of his sculptures to me, they almost feel like ruins. I think they feel very natural. They don't feel constructed. They almost look like they've been unearthed, excavated from some site. And so there's a naturalistic quality to them even though we know for sure they have been made. And that's amazing because a lot of sculpture does look very fabricated, I think. Yeah, Seven Angelic says it has a quality to it that makes me think of decay for some reason, not saying that as a bad thing. And I kind of felt that way with this piece. Like it almost feels like something that kind of emerged from rotting away and you slowly unearthed this figure and the baby I, I had that same kind of reaction it's like an organ they feel like preserved organs to me especially mm. this one looks kind of like a heart and that color is also the same color that you get when you put like a heart in formaldehyde and let it hang out but speaking of formaldehyde bring <laughs> that's a good segue <laughs> into deep d's overrated <laughs> pick tell us about damien hurst <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with my thoughts on Damien Hirst. I was saying this before the stream, it's really hard for me to articulate how I feel about Damien Hirst because every time I look at his work, the word just why pops into my head. Um, and I feel like my introduction to Damien Hirst was with these this series. Um, for people with who need context, these are real animals in formaldehyde, you know, once living animals. Um, and it's a series about death. Um, and everyone was hating on Damien Hurst. And I was like, I'm just going to give this man a chance. Let me. But I just, I couldn't. It just feels so. One of the things that I find 
overrated about his work is that it feels like a man who has a lot of money and just does the bare minimum with a lot of money. Um, he uses, I just, I could, I could find so much more meaning in the idea of death if maybe he made those animals by hand and then submerged them in formaldehyde, um, you know, as sculptures and, and watched them rot away. And, and, you know, that is an idea that I would give him if he was my student. I don't know. It, it just, he, it blows my mind. I think a lot of his work has this wow factor and a lot of celebrities really like his work. Um, but I don't really find them full of meaning or I don't know. I just, I just don't know how to argue. Clara, I know you have thoughts on Damien. Please take the mic away from me. <laughs> he stresses me out. I mean, my eyeballs are rolling back into these crevices of my brain that I didn't know existed. It's, he's so obnoxious because none of this is really that interesting. I mean, we have these pieces of his later on. I mean, if he showed up with this at a gallery, I mean, they wouldn't care, but because he's Damien Hurst and he's selling NFTs and, oh, he has this skull and he covered it with a million different diamonds, we're supposed to care? He I've pisses me off so bad. He's like Jeff Koons level, piss me off. I've got a question, but, but, devil's advocate, does art does all art need to have meaning or can't it just look cool didn't we do a whole stream on this but this doesn't even look cool <laughs> i'm a skull with lots of diamonds i bet it'd make a great disco ball <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness dear. i mean i really was trying to also play devil's advocate when i put him on the stream because it almost felt like an easy pick for me because everyone hates on him but I just, I just, I try and think of these overrated artists, like if it was me or if it was a student. And with all of his pieces, I'm just like, like, for example, the mandalas, those are butterfly wings. But so why <laughs> exactly? Like, why? I just, this is, this seems helpful. Anna says for context, Hearst made those, I'm guessing the formaldehyde pieces during the height of the AIDS crisis. And it was about the scale of the death that was happening around that time. So I guess the question becomes is how, how do these pieces age over time? Will that stick with those pieces? Because it seems like contemporary culture is kind of forgotten about, about that, that relationship. Or how do we see these pieces in the pandemic now, since that's also wide scale death? Is there a relation there? That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I guess I didn't know that, that either. Yeah. I, I I didn't know that at all. But then I do kind of wonder like, you know, the use of animals and like a shark and all of that. Like it's it's just interesting the the objects or animals that he used and the formaldehyde and the way that they're positioned and cut open. Um there's a lot of digging that I think can be and like you said, Lauren, the pandemic, I think there there are some layers to it for sure. We'll see. That may be the case. That's fine for him to make work about that. I just feel like the work is about him. Fine. Maybe that really was what that work is about. And that was his artistic intent. But none of these pieces are for anything but his stupid ego. I just am so sick of it. And the thing is, when people talk about the shark and formaldehyde, AIDS never gets brought up. It's just the shark. 
the shark have you seen the shark like that annoys me that he clearly as an artist he hasn't really made that important in terms of how he's marketed the work and you could argue oh maybe he doesn't have control over that i think he totally does i think he is a master marketer if he's positioned himself in the way that he has i, I yeah i think it's about the uh, uh once a once a uh a teacher said that if you're looking at more about wondering, having more questions about how something is is made and are being wowed by that rather than, okay, what what is the piece trying to say? That could be, isn't always necessarily, but could be a red flag or something that's postmodern. <laughs> All right, Lauren, here is your underrated pick. Tell us about Helen Ray. Yeah, Helen Ray. So if you guys know me, you probably know why I chose this artist. These pieces have so much pattern in them and I love them. But Helen Ray is, uh, she passed away, I think last year. She is an artist who was in the Outsider Art Fair in New York a couple years ago before the pandemic. Um, she is deaf and she used ASL and she's mostly um, nonverbal and she paint these paintings from, and she's also like mostly self-taught. She was uh, uh, going to a center called First Street Center, I think, something like that out in California. And she was paint or drawing with color pencil. These are with color pencil, which is crazy to me these color pencil drawings that were based off of images that she would find in like in fashion magazines. Vogue is, is one of them where a lot of them come up. And if you flip wow. through Vogue, it's a lot of artistry, but they look nothing like, or very little like the original image that they come from because of the things that she's choosing to filter out or add into them. Like this is a piece that is in a pool or the the original reference image was in a pool but it looks as if this person is floating in a galaxy almost it's it's got a totally different feel to it i love this artist wow i'm so happy you shared this with us this is amazing it's funny because i did see this as a as a pool but it's felt or like a body of water but it felt so transformative and like crazy like uh, it feels like there's a whole city in this figure's body it's it's wild. Like, I'm so bad with, not bad, but I, I just kind of color and pattern makes me so nervous, which I know Lauren is totally here <laughs> up your alley. But like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, how does someone's brain like conceptualize this? It's so amazing. Yeah. And watching her work, because there are YouTube videos of her working and there's actually a great artist lecture with her at, at one of her one of her solo shows it's at the claremont art gallery i think which is also in california art museum sorry and they cut it with clips of her working and i think she just goes at it there's not much planning or putting in the the pencil layout or at least i can't see it and that is even crazier to me <laughs> How can you do this? How can you just go at it without all the planning? And they come out so wonderful. I love this work because I really think pattern is so hard to do well. 
within two-dimensional artwork. I mean, an obvious person would be Kahende Wiley, has so many patterns. Vermeer was so good at painting it, but I don't think a lot of people really know what to do with pattern, myself included. I cannot stand painting patterns. Like I get all worked up about what I'm going to do with it. I just find it really overwhelming. And she just seems to be a real master of how to balance the chaos of some of the patterns. This has a beautiful sense of space. Even though it's patterns and flat shapes, there's no shading. There aren't a lot of gradients. And the fact that it's colored pencil is awesome because colored pencil, it's one of those materials people expect it to look a certain way. There's so many hyper-realistic portraits online using colored pencil, but this is not like that at all. What do you think about the use of the colored pencil, Deep Dee? It's so cool. It has this kind of like creamy, almost like oil pastel look to it in some areas. And in others, it looks like it could be acrylic. Like it's so transformative. And I feel like color pencil is a medium I don't see a lot in work that I'm exposed to. So that's so cool. I also just looked at a photo of her to see her working like such a joy to just like look at. Um, really amazing. I want to watch those YouTube videos. Lauren, do you have an answer for her process? Do you know if she uses stencils? It's all just hand done. I think it's all hand done. It doesn't look like she uses stencils, at least from what I saw. I could be wrong, but she does those dots and things by hand. The pieces are about, they look to be about 24, around, you're not going to tell on my screen, like 20, 24 by 30 inches ish. They're, they're fairly large, medium, large pieces. And they are on paper. It's, it's all on paper. And I just want to say too, that I, I really appreciate that she did colored pencil as well, because here on art prof on the YouTube, we do get a lot of comments about how we don't really show colored pencil stuff or how colored pencil is kind of considered a lower, lower medium and that's, that absolutely is not the case or doesn't have to be the case. And I feel like she does a really good job of showing the capabilities of color pencil or one way of using color pencil, which is pressing very hard. <laughs> also, I would so much rather look at her any day of the week compared to Picasso. To me, this is way better than a Picasso piece because I could see why people could maybe make some connections with their work with the dramatic shapes and the manipulation of the form. But th this is very primal in a way. And I don't know, I often feel like Picasso's work just feels decorative. I mean, we can have a whole crop on Picasso's <laughs> dream layer, but I, I just think that her work, it doesn't really look like anybody else's stuff. And that's pretty hard to pull off when you're oh. a visual artist doing figurative work. It is not easy to do that. It's, it's funny, too, just because she is working from extremely decorative imagery from those fashion magazines, but somehow in the way that she is translating it, it gets transformed into other things beyond that really surface level look. So I'm also very wowed by that. She's really good at using references. Let's someone to look at for references. This is my overrated pick. And before I tell you why, I'd love to hear what Deep Dee thinks of Dan Flavin. So <laughs> all of you know, these are installations. 
and they're mostly fluorescents. And sometimes they're individual pieces. Sometimes they take over the whole gallery. But I would like to know, Gigi, what's your take on this first? Why are you masking me? This is your <laughs> choice. I need you guys to stay on your toes. Okay. Oh, Lord, I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> I, I, The first image that you put, I was more interested in. I felt like there was a cool play with, like, space and shadows and lighting. Again, I don't know anything about neons and, and light and all of that. The second image that you showed, definitely not a fan. Um, these also feel like something I need to see in person, but I don't think that there's a lot of interaction happening between the like colors and materials here. Um, yeah, I... I, I <laughs> well, I'm not a fan, as you can tell. And, and yes, it does a huge difference to experience them in person. I have seen them in a bunch of different museums, and they're really not that great. Like, great, you put a orange color on a fluorescent light in a dark room. Ooh, oh my gosh, whoa, what did you do? It's really not that exciting. I mean, I think James Terrell is way better. I'm 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 side eyeing you a little bit. This this seems like a. I can't believe that you hate these works. They're such good color studies. Oh come on! You just like them because they have bright colors. No, I don't. Usually, I am whatever, and I do like James Terrell too. But I feel like this work is having conversations with those color field or minimalist painters like Ad Reinhardt and other people who's who's another one they're all leaving my head but I feel like that's what this work is about and not like let's make the most beautiful decorative color light thing in the world or cool I'm using neon lights I mean it's using light to to figure out color relationships. I am, but the color relationships are really not that exciting. Oh, look, you put blue next to green. Wow, great job, Dan Flavin. That's you know, revolutionary. Joseph Albers put blue next to green and you don't slam him, Clara. Yeah, but he wasn't using the stupid light to, I, I feel like all this- Do you have a thing against blade. light? Do you have a thing <laughs> like against light bulbs? I think you do. <laughs> Oh my God, you're totally taking everything I'm saying out of context. But basically, I just think it's him with his pretty lights and everybody's like, ooh, it's like a little, I don't know, it, it feels like a little carnival ride that you're on. I, and you're like, oh, that was fun. I'm kind of in between the two of you. I do feel like maybe if he put in a little bit more thought on like how these objects were placed and interacted with each other or how the like colors reflect, I don't know, like every, every, one of these images I see, I'm like, oh, but what if they were all like facing each other? And then at the center, there was like this modge podge of the reflected light. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm seeing like potential with all of these where I'm just like, oh, like what if this was like that and I could walk through it? Or like, I don't know, there's things where I'm just like, interesting. Like, what if this was like moving? Like, what if this was kinetic? I don't know. There's, there, it, it's- But it's not. It, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I feel, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think that I, I'm more with Deep D in that I, I, I'm not totally 
for him, but I also think that he's not worth slamming as overrated. I think it makes sense why the work is in a museum, especially since who else was playing with light before him with light bulbs? I don't know. I think Seven Angelic hit the nail on the head for me. I mean, lightsabers would make this way. I mean, it's basically like, oh, I have some lightsabers. I put them in a big room. There's so many of them. It's in a museum. Like, I, I just, I don't get what the fuck. Oh, the context everywhere. This is, again, we're looking at this maybe in the wrong time. There are neon lights everywhere now. We're really used to them. We're really used to neon lights in every store and cafe and in our phones. Well, that's not a neon light. But I think we're just a little bit lighted out. We're like a burnt out light bulb. Well, we have a question from Omno Kitte. If these were color studies in paint, would you like it more? Is it the fact that it's done in light bulbs that makes it seem gimmicky? I think that's part of it. I'm not saying that a light bulb is inherently gimmicky. It's just that it's sort of the same thing over and over again. It's just like, okay, the same fluorescent. Let's line them up. Oh, I tilted it this time. It's like, whoopee. Like, I don't think that's really that phenomenal in my opinion. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are so excited to share with you today work from the portrait track. We have Raven, who is here live with us in the stream, telling us about Carrie's Russian boyfriend, who is also a light installation artist. He was a bozo, too. <laughs> Although they got away with it a little because they had McGill versus the cosplay. And I really <laughs> like him. So anyway, um, Raven finished the portrait track. And it's so wonderful to read about your story, Raven. We're not going to read the whole thing, but people can look at it later on because the slideshow is available. And how incredible that Raven did this while working a full-time job as a mortgage loan processor eight hours of every day. And initially did it be in English, but in 2020, I found online art programs, making up for lost time, and how incredible it is to see you doing that. Because having a full-time job and doing this much work, that is an amazing accomplishment. It is so hard to maintain that level of focus by yourself, hold yourself accountable, and make so much progress. What's your take, Deep Deep? This is nuts. I'm so impressed and inspired by you, Raven. I I need to take some advice from you and, and also do this. You're such a good example of like you can have you you can find the time. And these are so beautiful. I mean, they're so varied, um, so just specific, and they're just such nice mark making exploration happening here. Um, I'm just so impressed at how much you've accomplished. That's wild. Congrats. Look at how sculptural this one is. That previous one, I love the way that you can really feel their face. Feels like every portion has been touched. And that is a hard thing to do to convey that level of, of hapticness and feeling to a, to a piece of artwork. And it's wonderful, Raven, because we watch your progression. Because in the beginning, you're doing more of these quick studies, trying to figure out the skeletal structure. 
but oh wow you really took off towards the end of the track because <laughs> this is a project here which is a diptych and you're supposed to show conflicting sides of your personality so they've worked together but raven i was floored when i saw your final piece for the track and the thing is there's a whole story behind this because raven did um this piece of history about this nurse and her role in history and i knew what this was about before you told me anything about it it, it has a certain depth and gravitas that i was just blown away by what do you think dd Wow, I love this. It's also just so different than everything you've shown. It like kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, but also makes so much sense. It's so, you know, like graphic, but there's like that mark making and the hair of the nurse is so beautiful, like that dry, translucent brush. This is a piece that I'm like dying to spend time with in person because like even in the glass and the windows, there's so much luminosity coming through. I'm, I'm floored. This is so beautiful. Yeah, it's so spare in a way and yet so generous, which is this thing that I keep looking at because there's not a lot of detail necessarily going on or a lot of extra things. So you really focus on this gesture between these two individuals and there's like this human emotion that, that I fall into looking at both of them. So great job, Raven. We are so thrilled with the progress you made. I think that it's amazing what you pulled off. We have a lot of tracks now, everybody. <laughs> There's more and more appearing all the time. So I would go check them out. And we have a student gallery section now. So you can go and you can look at everybody who finished a track. You can look at their slideshow, their Instagram post, their video feature. We also have student galleries for the premium track because I just love showing you all off. It's just a proud mama bear moment for us when we see all the stuff that everybody's making here. This Google slideshow is available. The link is in the YouTube video description below, and you can access all of the slideshows and all of our videos. Just go to rprof.org and check that out. After the stream, Deep D and Lauren will be in the Discord, hanging out in the post live streams channel. Come say hello, chat about anything you want. I won't be there, but if I were, I'd be talking about the new Doctor Strange teaser. I know it was like 30 seconds, but it was, oh, it was so good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda, for this oh, super Amanda. sticker. So appreciated. We heart all the support. <laughs> <laughs> there are many ways you can support ArtProf. This is new. You can sponsor a video. And I wrote a very long post about this earlier this week. But if you want Lauren to dance with geese, while drawing at the <laughs> same time, then you want to make a short of that if you want Deep D to, I don't know. Could you? Could we get Dev Patel on here, Deep D? Um, <laughs> I think I'll do my best. best. If anyone in our community knows Dev Patel, <laughs> or Benedict Cumberbatch, no. please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much, Kenya. Thank you, Kenya. Wolf for the super sticker. So check it out because you know something. The reason we got this idea was because somebody in our community came to us and said, I want to sponsor a video. I want to help you 
create the content that we want as a community. And so they gave me the funding to produce the Citrusolf tutorial. And boy, this is way more fun <laughs> than talking to sponsors. And you guys also benefit because you get more content instead of just ads. And our top Patreon supporters, so many of you have been supporting us on such a long term. And I, I'm floored that so many of you have been on this slide for as long as you have been because you are keeping us up and running. And I wanna say thank you to Sentient Charcoal for being the most recent top Patreon supporter. Thank you so much for joining us in our quest to make art education free and accessible, but I'm crying this week because we went down so far. And let me tell you guys, 350 down from 4,000, that's a hit for us. Whoa. A couple hundred dollars a month for us, that, that's bad. So that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah, I'm sad because the last raffle we were 4,000 and now we're just, so anyway, <laughs> I hope we can change that. I'd like it to be a little healthier because I wasn't sleeping great, but I lately I haven't been sleeping that well. So let's no. try to get the up. And by the way, you get rewards. You get to hang out with us on voice sessions and discord. You get exclusive content and newsletters. So you get all this fun stuff when you pledge on Patreon. So we hope you will consider supporting us. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.